Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, welcoming you to our ongoing series on the names for God that we've been doing over the last uh, number of weeks and will continue doing for a number of weeks because there is just so much to say because God is infinite. (laughs) I'm sure you know that. Uh, So when can we stop talking about God's character in person? And, uh, you know, this is kindergarten, brothers and sisters. We're just beginning this discussion when we see him face to face. That's when the education really begins, and it will last forever. So how long will it take us to know more about God? Well, I guess you can figure that one out. And uh, so it will be an infinite, eternal uh, occupation of each one of us who enter into that glorious kingdom through receiving Jesus, our Messiah, as our Lord and Savior. And so today we're just going to take a look at the incredible name for God that is unpronounceable. I was actually raised to never say this word. It's the Hebrew letters yud Hey vav Hey, which is from the verb to be, hayah, meaning to be or to become. And it suggests that God, Jehovah or Yahweh, which is how it's usually translated, is he who is, or he who causes it all to be, or um, you can say whatever you want, but it's it reflects God's eternal nature and self-existence and unchanging nature. And so this is the big one. And uh, Bobby uh, Walter, who's with me, will explain to us uh, when we get to the burning bush uh, why this is the case. But let me begin by saying that the Hebrew word Jehovah or Yahweh or yud heh vav Now, we usually say Adonai, uh, which means Lord, or Hashem, which means the name. Sometimes we combine Adonai and Hashem and we say Adoshem. But I was raised in a very traditional Jewish home, and I don't think I ever heard anybody speak the name uh, yud heh vav uh, Jews just don't use that name because it's so holy that we would never damage the image of God or the reputation of God by even stating uh, that name. And if you understand all that, then you can be Jewish too. Uh, don't, don't always explain, expect rational explanations for these things. The Hebrew word, yod heh vav or Jehovah, and I think maybe it'll be easier, Bobby, if I just use the word Jehovah when I want to speak about the English. I could say Adonai, but uh, I don't want people to get yeah, confused. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of funny, well, Mitch, because you you opened this you opened us up and you talked about this one word, right? This one name for God, four letters in Hebrew, and I think you gave about six possible ways that we uh, <laughs> that we can say it in English. It's and it feels so uncomfortable for <laughs> right. me every time I say it. Right, I you know. Understand. I mean, I've been a believer for over fifty years. I still can't yeah. do it. It's like I still can't put my Bible on yeah. the ground. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, 
when Jewish people drop their Bibles, they pick it up, they kiss it on both sides, and then make sure they don't drop mm-hmm. it again. There's this, this certain level of, of practical, physical holiness with words and with objects that's in the Old Testament that Jewish people are trained mm-hmm. from their, their youth to uh, consider in all their actions. Well, anyway, um, Yahweh, Jehovah, <laughs> Adonai. Um, uh, the Hebrew word Jehovah appears 6,800 times in the Hebrew wow. Bible. And it begins in the beginning, uh, the usage. Mm-hmm. And it's used in a, in a very interesting way. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You would think that would be Jehovah, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. Elohim. And the Spirit of God, again, Elohim. And then God said, let there be light, again, Elohim. But then uh, things shift uh, a little bit later. So all the way from uh, Genesis 1 into Genesis 2, um, into sort of the middle of Genesis 2, and Right now, we're looking at uh, post-Sabbath. Let me just read verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God, Elohim, had created and made. And now we read verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. And there's the shift. And at that point, we are combining the two names, the two main names for God. Jehovah, which is translated Lord for good reason, because that's usually the way it flows into the uh, English Bible if you don't want to use Jehovah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and usually in our English Bibles, this is the Lord that'll be all caps. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true also. Yeah, that's important to note. So that the Lord God, so you have Jehovah Elohim, made earth and heaven. And then that usage continues all the way through Genesis chapter 2, except, as you pointed out in our little discussion ahead of time, except when the serpent is speaking. You want to run us Run us yeah, through that, yeah. So, Bobby, Mitch, like you said, we were having a little conversation about this before we started recording. And it was really interesting, fascinating that uh, all throughout Genesis chapters two and three, we always see Adonai Elohim or, or Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God. And the only time that in those two chapters that we don't see that combination is when the serpent speaks to Eve in Genesis three verses one and verse five. Uh, instead of mentioning Jehovah, he just mentions Elohim. If I ask you why, would you be able to give me a good answer? No, <laughs> not not right now. But uh, I would love to okay, really I'm, dig I'm more calling, into that. I'm calling Dr. Walter Kaiser after this show. You know, <laughs> he might be the or Dr. Michael Radelnik or someone who might know the answer uh, to one of these questions. And uh, of course, I could make up an answer, but I don't think that's going to that's going to work. And what's also interesting is when God is speaking to the serpent, then the scriptures record the Lord God. So the Lord God said to the serpent, 
Uh, and when God is speaking to Adam, who was hiding in the bushes, it's the Lord God. Mm-hmm. And so it's very, very interesting uh, that that's the case. Now, uh, in verse 14, we read a very interesting statement uh, that is a messianic prophecy, but it involves the names in a very interesting way from this point then into chapter 4 that I'd like to point out as we begin our journey to try and understand the meaning of the Hebrew term uh, Jehovah. So verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, dust you will eat all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And so we learn about this promise that there's going to be war between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, and that one day the seed of the serpent will be destroyed by the seed of the woman but the seed of the serpent will, in fact, bite the heel of the, probably of the foot that was crushing the serpent, in, in a sense. And there would be injury, but it won't be fatal. So uh, what happened uh, at the cross, Bobby? Why don't you fill that piece in just for one quick second, then I'll jump to Genesis 4. So at the cross, we see this passage come about. We see that Yeshua is indeed quote-unquote, bruised on the heel, right? He is injured, he suffers greatly, he dies. Uh, But in the process, he indeed secures the victory by crushing the head of the serpent. And I think another, uh, one other thing we can note about this, uh, to crush the head of something was not just to kill something, but it was to take all of its life force, all of its power, uh, any possibility of it uh, living on beyond its death. Uh, so that's why in the, in the ancient Near East and other places in the Bible even, like think of King David when he slays Goliath. Well, he killed him, right, with the shot uh, from the sling, but then what did he do is that added measure of like the, this big exclamation point in the face of the Philistines. He went over, took a blade, and chopped his head off, right? It was a statement. And then he held it up and showed the Philistine army and they were, they were filled with fear and they scattered and they ran away because their greatest warrior, his head was crushed, his head was, was lopped off and their entire life force was taken away. All their power, their strength was just removed. And that is what Yeshua accomplished on the cross. He defeated the enemy. Uh, he has indeed crushed the head of the serpent. And so snakes, if you just harm them, they regenerate. The only way to kill a snake is to crush its head and to cut it off. And so uh, whatever Jesus did at the cross, his, his death put to death the devil and his schemes. And we're in the wrap-up process right now. And eventually he'll be thrown into the lake of fire and that's the mm-hmm. end of him. And we look forward to that glorious day actually. And when evil is right. conquered. And it's only through the blood of the Lamb. That's how we overcome and have the victory. That's right. Now, we, we come to chapter 4 in Genesis, and we read, Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. This is a very, very interesting uh, passage. Number one, because uh, yod heh vav heh is used here. 
it, it's not Elohim, Jeho- Jehovah Elohim, it is just Jehovah. Mm-hmm. So now, in a sense, the ship is, is somewhat launched with Jehovah having its own very powerful right. meaning. Okay? And so what's interesting about this is what was happening in the mind of Eve at that moment. Because in the Hebrew, the phrase, with the help of, is not Mm. there. So actually, if you want to do a literal translation, which I understand why the translators did not do that, because it would not make ordinary sense. But it does actually make quite a bit of sense. And so I would read it this way. I have gotten a man-child, the Lord. If you were going to do a literal translation, that's what it would say. And the Lord is Jehovah. So in one way or another, maybe because Eve understood that God could take on flesh and walk through the, walk through the garden, at least we think he took on flesh. Uh, it could have been a theophany or a Christophany or an Old Testament manifestation of, of Jesus in the flesh. We don't, we don't really know. But we do know that God walked in the cool of the morning uh, with Adam and Eve and that there was a relationship. We don't know what form God took necessarily. It's not clear from the Bible. But it's quite possible that Eve had in her mind some idea of actually God himself being the one who would crush the head of the serpent. And since this was her firstborn son, she may have just innocently thought, well, there was the promise. Here's the baby. Here's what the son of the woman's supposed to do. How was Eve supposed to know this would take thousands of years? I don't think mm. she did. I think she said what she thought was happening, that the, the child, the man-child, the son, is the Lord. And so it's the Lord God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob eventually, the Lord God, Jehovah. He would be the one to crush the head of the serpent. That's why it's so profoundly significant that when Jesus died at, on Calvary, that he is the one who crushed the head of the serpent. It was actually God in human flesh, living a perfect life, who died an innocent atoning death in the first century, that died for our sins, and by dying for our sins and eventually cleansing all things through his shed blood. Not just our sins, Bobby. It was the ultimate uh, cleanser for all humanity. Uh, And actually what happened is amazing because the curse was placed upon humanity because of what Eve did and what Adam did, because of what Satan provoked. Now the curse is going to be lifted through the gruesome death of the Son of God. And I think that Eve could not have known what was going to happen, but she certainly thinks she understood what God said, and that would be that she would be the mother of Jehovah who would destroy the devil. And that's what I think you have happening in Genesis chapter 4. So from the very start There was a divine and human element, subtle as it might be, sublime as it might be, 
but there was a divine human partnership in the story of redemption. And it's founded, based in this passage and in the use of this word, Jehovah. Jehovah eventually becomes flesh and Jehovah saves. Chosen People Ministries exist to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve Jewish people all across the world. And we also want to help equip fellow believers to do the same. Our mission was founded in 1894 by Rabbi Leopold Cohn, and we have a zeal to share the knowledge of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, with God's chosen people. If you'd like to help us do the same, we invite you to go online and learn more. You'll find us at chosenpeople.com slash radio. And then be sure to take some time to explore our website and discover how you can get involved. We have short-term or long-term ministry opportunities, internships, and even prayer and volunteer opportunities. So no matter what you're looking for, there's bound to be something for everyone. Learn more today at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now, we're going to turn our attention to David Schiller. David grew up in a religious Jewish family, and while he was away at college, he met a Christian man whose message about the Messiah repulsed yet attracted him at the same time. God, I do not believe that Jesus is your son, but I want to believe what is right. I'm sorry, I don't know why I get so choked up. Mother's side was Orthodox, and my father's side was Reformed. We went to Hebrew school, went to Shabbat school services um, most weeks, bar mitzvah. President of my B'nai B'rith youth group during high school, and then went off to college at Cornell University. I uh, was in a fraternity. There was one guy of the 50 guys of the fraternity was an outspoken, vibrant Christian. I felt that he felt he was better than everybody else. He actually lived his faith, almost like a saint. Uh, I was always curious about what made him tick. And so one day, I secretly followed him on a Sunday morning to his church and handed me a Bible, and they said we're studying Hebrews. Uh, and I had no idea at the time that it was the name of one of the books in their Bible. This was uh, surprisingly a very Jewish book. I both mocked it, and at the same time, I wanted it. And then I started having this violent reaction or, or struggle or, or inner warfare within me uh, 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 about all this. started becoming more violent. I got into uh, drugs. I was selling drugs. It was like a war within me. It's the only way I can describe it. started hating this kid from the fraternity, the Christian. This hatred would come out all of a sudden towards him. It was like two forces um, within me, almost as if they were struggling or warring uh, for my soul. At one point, I took a large um, army uh, NATO type of knife and went up behind him and grabbed him by the throat and put the knife up to his throat and threatened to kill him. His, what he had in his life, uh, the, uh, the, the, the joy that he had and the genuineness and the vibrancy, uh, 
and, and the godliness, really, he had that I did not have, it made me jealous. I just fell down to my knees and I started crying. It was like God's presence was there. And I felt this tremendous release and uh, asked Yeshua to come into my life and to, uh, to make me his uh, and to change me. It wasn't studying the New Testament that brought me to faith. It was, it was just supernaturally God calling me and revealing uh, Jesus to me. And only afterwards did I really start studying the scriptures and, and, and putting all the pieces together. Once I committed my life to Yeshua, he started transforming my life. I'm married to my wife Elizabeth, uh, and I, uh, we met uh, at Cornell University and graduated with honors from Stanford Law and was on the Stanford Law Review. Uh, and we have uh, two beautiful daughters. Uh, my younger daughter Naomi made Aliyah uh, and was in the IDF. Uh, it, it really put things uh, in a totally different perspective uh, and, and so changed my life uh, for the better, giving me a new love for other people uh, and, and um, taking away the hatred and the anger that I had within. From humble beginnings in Brooklyn, New York, to serving in 18 countries across the globe, Chosen People Ministries exists to share the knowledge of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, with God's chosen people. Our outreach programs include evangelism and discipleship, messianic centers and congregations, and equipping local churches for Jewish evangelism. If you have a heart to reach the Jewish people in your community with the love of Messiah, connect with us today. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. And then be sure to check out our I Found Shalom videos. You'll find the links to these resources and so much more on our website. And with your help, we'll continue proclaiming the good news through Yeshua the Messiah to Jewish people around the world for years to come. To learn more, go to chosenpeople.com radio. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. It's our desire to practice the Apostle Paul's mandate from Romans 1.16 to reach the Jewish people first, and we'd love for you to prayerfully consider how you can partner with us in this effort. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio, and when you reach out today, we'll send you a copy of our booklet, God's Plan and Purposes for the Jewish People. When you reach out to us and order this book, you're going to really love it and enjoy it. It's, it's short, but it really tells the Bible story from a Jewish perspective. God's purpose has always been to save the Jewish people through the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. This reminds me of the Word of God in Isaiah 62, verse 1, where we're told that God's heart burns for salvation, to shine like a torch upon Jerusalem and Zion. The purpose of this booklet is to give my fellow Jewish friends and family members, along with believers all around the world, an overview of God's plan for the Jewish people as revealed in the Bible. And we'll send you the booklet, God's Plan and Purposes for the Jewish People, free of charge when you call 888-293-7482-888, the number two, and the word Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A. And then don't forget, if you'd like more information about this weekly program, or if you'd like to listen to past episodes, just visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.